the criteria Latifi needs to do to get re-signed. Not get last. <laughs> oh, Spa's back. And lights out and away we go. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is halfway to space. <laughs> Personally yeah. go IndyCar over Williams. Yeah, space. <laughs> Grosjean Zoo. Guan Yu Zhou. Guan Yu Zhou. No, Zhou Guan Yu. I said that the first time. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked a question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just it. trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko. With me this afternoon, as always, is Andy. Andy, what the hell was that? I, I still... This, we're recording this an extra day out because we needed to make sense of it, and yet we still can't make sense of it. We began our pre-production conversation by essentially being like, hey, man, I'm going to need a favor. I need you to cover the entire ending of the race because I still don't exactly know what went wrong. But like any good story, we've previewed the end. Let's start right at the beginning. Formula One came to Australia. Yeah, it was nice. It was, it was great. a 3 p.m. race. We could watch it without the sun being down. We could watch all the sessions. Not that we did, but we could have. <laughs> I watched I watched the majority of them, I want to say. I missed free practice two and free practice three. You know what? Honestly, that's all I missed as well in the grand scheme of things. I ended up watching quali. I watched the first practice. I watched the race. I didn't watch any of the supercars or anything else. I didn't get to watch the supercars. I... Fucking, I watched like the first practice session of the supercars and then I got really distracted with work. It happens. Mm. Let's go through, a, I want to call everything up until the race a very normal F1 weekend. We had it all. That's what it seemed like. We had dominant Red Bull pace. We had moderate Ferrari, Aston, Mercedes pace. Everyone else kind of shit ass. We had awkward commentary. We had lots, hundreds of thousands of drunk Aussie fans all over Melbourne. 400,000 over the weekend. It was like 4,400 and something. It was 444,000 and something. That's it. was it. three fours in a row because it looked great when they put the start. It was like a record-breaking attendance for the Australian Grand Prix, um, which is all fantastic as, as people who like this sport, despite the fact that I hate the reason why like Netflix's dominance, it has been a fantastic thing to bring into our sport because F1 is back to how it was popularity levels. I want to say like 70s, 80s, where it was actually this big event that people were getting excited for. Like I haven't experienced an Australian GP where random people in my life were being like, hey, you like F1? The race is on this week. Like they were telling me that, oh, you watching the race this weekend? I'm like, yeah, how the hell do you guys know about? Like these aren't people who listen to the show. These are boring office people. And they're like, the yeah. race is on. You watching that? I'm like, absolutely, I'm watching it. I can't wait. Practice, I got nothing. Nothing out of the ordinary happened. Do you know who the chick commentator was in the first practice session? Because I can't remember her name. She was so, n- not that great. <laughs> I know, yeah, you, you messaged me and be like, hey, bro, you watching this like this? I don't rate the quality that this lady's producing. Now, I never went back and checked who it was. I know that... F1 has on its broadcast, Sky has Na- a, a lady called Naomi who's an XW series driver. They also have Natalie yep. Pinkman. Now, Natalie Pinkman's been around forever and she's pretty good. She's kind of like the mum of the paddock and then, but like any good mum, she'll be really nice to the drivers to their face and then talk shit behind them to the camera as soon as they walk off. She's a good mum. Yeah. Well, the, the, the chick that was hosting free practice one 
was pissing Ted off because even Ted was saying like, because a radio would come over while Ted's talking. She's like, just tell me to shut up for two seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll literally shut up. The radio can play and we can continue our conversation. Like there was that moment happened live on the broadcast where Ted's like, can you just tell me to shut up and let the radio play? Sort of that- thing. And it, it just, it got frustrating to the point where she was really not great at hosting free practice one. And I nearly muted it because like- I didn't enjoy it. The free practice is got to be the hardest job in commentary because not much is happening. Like, I don't envy anyone who gets put on a free practice because it's actually quite difficult. Like, I'm not saying Hmm. it's harder than doing the race. No, the race is objectively the hardest bit, but at least your content is happening consistently. Like, this race, they never had to wait for anything to happen. There was like 15 laps where we went, yep, that's probably over, and then it all went tits up again. I don't know who it was. It broke my heart to hear Ted say like no you can tell me to shut up it was like almost like Stockholm Syndrome I was like no Ted fight the power like assert your dominance (laughs) like Ted you can speak like this lady's offering you but like he's just been so beaten by Sky F1 that he's like that it's just it was unfortunate to hear him be like no tell me to shut up however from a production level now you're a professional media producer despite this show that's mainly my fault yes there is a way that things are done and you you know, people are tuning in. We expect a product. Yes. We love whinging about Sky F1. But I tell you what, half our show wouldn't exist if we had good commentary. We would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> we wouldn't have nothing to whinge no, about. No, I agree. So, yeah, it wasn't great. I, I know, but but the thing that with that we whinge about is little things like, oh, they got the name wrong. Oh, the production cut to this replay of Lance Stroll. No, this is literally live broadcast 101. If you've got a, a radio to play, you play the radio and everyone shuts up and then you discuss the radio. Like it was just it was such a basic thing that any producer who does any form of production knows. You know what I mean? Like preset if the if the radio is automatically gonna play, you make sure the commentators are quiet and you tell them in the headset, hey, radio, shut everyone everyone shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? It's very simple. It's it's not even a couple of it's a couple of seconds. It's one of them was literally Lewis going can't keep up like it was something very quick it was like three or four words and she was just like oh ted, that's when ted went off and then she's just like oh i was only it was only lewis saying this yeah that's our job we we, we come on and say that <laughs> we come on and say that was a wasted radio message that's our job yeah that's our content <laughs> yeah exactly stop doing our job for us but also do your job properly and you know like it, it's just something that griped me listening to it because for all crafty and brindle's flaws which there are a lot of at least they tell Ted to shut up so the radio can play and you hear the radio clearly or as clearly as they have it. You know what I mean? As much as we do critique them endlessly, they are very competent broadcasters. I do want to talk about some of the drivers in practice because I'm having a memory come back to me and I remember watching this over the weekend. I had a very good weekend, so my memory is not great. But I do remember Checo could not seem at any point to get that Red Bull to be comfortable on the track. No, he was complaining all week and that he just he didn't feel comfortable in the car. And it showed. And he was making a lot of out-of-character mistakes with that car. He was regularly running at wide in corners, regularly clipping the grass, ended in the gravel more than once this weekend. Like this, Those free practice sessions and qualifying have been the absolute worst driving I have ever seen from Checo since starting watching this sport like five years ago, right? And he's always been there. Mm. And it was just so out of the character because Max, remarkably happy all weekend. But Checo just really struggled. 
Max was a bit unhappy going into qualifying. Like he still wasn't a hundred percent on the setup, but Max being not a hundred percent on a setup is still a pole <laughs> position. You know what I mean? Like he's still going to get that car around as quick I as think possible. A lot of us had that during the race before we really saw what was coming. Where it got to about lap twelve, fourteen, Max got in front of me. Went, Looked at the mates who were watching with the first time. We we're like, right, oh, well, that's it. It's over. And everyone's like, what? It's like, no, no, really. And they're yep. like, what? It's, it's lap 14. It's like, yeah, it's kind of how this sport goes. If the best person gets in front, that's it. It's all over. And honestly. Yeah, pretty much. I, th- I think I even tweeted out. Like, I'm pretty sure I, t- I made a stupid tweet yep. when Max got the lead. It was like, oh, race over. Yep. Pack it in. Yeah, I, I put up SpongeBob <laughs> going, all right, I'm going to head out. With the title, <laughs> Max is in the lead. I'm just opening now to it now too. I um I watched it with a bunch of um new, not new. I watched it with a group of mates who are into the sport, but their attitude of cha- has changed quite a bit this year. Where we were all on the Max band bandwagon a few days ago, or a few years ago, like everyone wanted Max beat Lewis. They were all on it with me. I'm still a Max fan. Like I am not. A fair weather fan. I support the Dragons for God's sakes and the Bombers. Like, I will stick with you if I pick you. And they're like, yeah, man, we're kind of over it. I'm like, nah, man, three-peat. Like, I'm sitting on the couch being like, I don't have any friends anymore in this sport. I've said a lot of things. Even though Max wasn't 100%, the, the difference between him and Checo was crazy this weekend, which was making me feel good about Danny because they cut every – do you see what happened every time they cut to Danny yep. on the broadcast? They just have him on camera. They went mental, as they should. It was fantastic. Let's roll into our qualifying slash starting grid discussion. So I've been doing some thinking where it's like we talk about qualifying and then we talk about the penalties. Mm -hmm. Then there's a starting grid. So why don't we just cut all the crap and just tell you how the cars started and why? Like, let's not waste time doing both because I always confuse myself and you have to correct me because then I'm on the wrong tab and it always goes horribly wrong. The starting grid. That's true. Was 18 cars. Two were from the pit lane, I believe. Which one was... Checo yes. was pit lane. And... Yes. Bottas was also starting from the pit lane. Uh, yes. Because they changed something in Bottas's car under Park Ferme. And same with Checo. Oh, no. Yeah, and both of them required a um a pit lane start. And also, Checo no. didn't even set a qualifying time. So the starting grid looked like this. In last slash 18th place, you had the Williams of Logan Sargent, Joe Guan Yu in front of them, Oscar Piastri starting in 16th, Nick DeVries, K-Mag, Lando, Yuki, Ocon, Nico, Pierre, Alexander, Charles in 7th, Lance in 6th. Now that gave me the shits. Carlos in 5th, Fernando in 4th, Lewis 3rd, George and Max. That gave me the shits. Fernando in fourth gave me the shits. He should have been second. But then the Milky Bar kid did what he does best and ruined he everything. and Charles are so good at one lap. Like last year, qualifying was Charles. He was one of the best qualifying we'd ever seen. Mm. This year, George is doing quite well at qualifying. It was good to see. Oh, look, I wasn't angry that Mercedes did well. I was angry that they did well in Australia. And I don't know why, but it did give me, it did irk me a little bit. Happy to see Lewis back doing relatively well. However, when you saw that starting grid, I think everybody had the exact same thought of being like, this Red Bull ain't making it around the first corner. I actually, my first thought was, oh shit, a Williams in the top 10. Yeah, there was that, which is fantastic. That was my first, 
That was my first thought. And then I went, oh, Woody will put it into Max so Lewis can win. And then they didn't. But then everybody else just crashed into each other. I think the best way to tackle this race, Andy, with everything that went on is let's go through our World Constructors Championship from bottom to top. And we'll talk about the individual drivers. Then after we've kind of had a chat about how everyone went, let's try and piece this race together a little bit. Well, I think what we do is we talk about everyone until the incident. Yes. If that makes sense. We talk about like their race as a whole, but then at the end of our discussion, we talk about the incident and what Michael Massey must have done. Speaking of Michael Massey, because, you know, he's an Aussie. He's in the paddock. He's a supercars boy now. It was nice to... Oh, he's not. He's attached to them, isn't he, somehow? He's not, is he? I thought he was just a guest. I know he's FIA. I thought he was just a guest. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? You're probably right, though. I'm going to default to whatever you're saying. You always do, and then half the time I'm wrong. But he was in the paddock, and Ted said, what's he doing here on the notebook? And I was like, why are you being like this? Why do you hurt me, Ted? Ted stoking the flames of Armageddon. Then you had Crofty actually come out and be like, you know, Michael Mass is here. I just want to say, I hope he's doing really well. You know, he's still human. Whatever happens, happens. Like, he did a nice statement or a nice gesture where he was like, hey, look, he's here. We hope he's doing well. You know, we all worked with this man for a year, blah, blah, blah. What I saw online with that quote made me really sad, where a lot of people who clearly supported one driver and has nothing to do with the driver in question. This is just the insane people who tend to be very loud on social media. Oh, so Team LH. So it's Team L. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Used that quote and went berserk. Now, of course, it is the only vocal minority. Most people you meet are not hashtag Team LH supporters, like the hardcore diehard fanatics. But I tell you what, they were having a bloody field day this weekend. (laughs) It was not good. So this means Rocket Power Mohawk's going to have a field day in his next video if he puts it out. Yeah, I also saw you tweeting him the other day. I tweeted him a bunch. It was so, it was just too easy him tweeting out about the red flag ruining Latte Boy's race. So I put a picture of Woody being angry there. Yeah. I got like 30 yeah, likes. Great, man. <laughs> and a thousand views. That's pretty good. That's pretty good results for you just shit posting online. Um, That's all I did during the race, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah, look, let's start with our team in last place. On Which isn't McLaren. It's not McLaren. Honestly, we we will talk about McLaren in a long time. That's what happened this weekend. A lot went on. We're going to talk about Williams. Now, we might have gone out, I might have possibly said that Alex Albon was one for me to watch this weekend. And shout out, Alex. He gave me a lot of free time to watch the other two people we said should have watched this weekend. But thinking about it, he was running in sixth when it happened. Like, you were right until he crashed. He was one to watch because he was pushing points. He was doing fantastically. And it was that section of the track, like, on replay, you know, the race began and there was the, the, the classic elbows at the first corner. There was the settling. There was the people who made the jump. Then the race finally settled down. What is he, lap 14? Yeah, about lap 14, I want to say. He's coming through some of the sweeping bends and just seems to lose the rear as he's transitioning from a right to left. It was lap six. It was lap yep. six. Okay, so earlier than I remember. But yeah, spun it completely yep. sideways, absolutely smammed his car. Like it was a big impact. 
I'll tell you what, though. These new cars are incredibly tough. Like, they are not exploding into a billion pieces like we saw over the last couple of years. The front nose of his car, like, a lot of the actual, like, shell of the car was intact. But where he ended up, he ended half in the pit, half on the track with bits of his car scattered everywhere. I instantly went, that's a red, because I was on, like... I was on red flag watch this weekend. I was any time something happened, I was like, red flag, red flag, let's get this race started again. It was the first red flag. Safety car first. Best one to happen. Safety car first, but then a red flag. Do you remember in all that has happened how hilarious this red flag was? Do you remember what happened right before this? Before the red flag? As the red flag happened. As the safety car. George was in the pit. So, safety car comes out. They tell George pit. George comes into the pits. They also tell Carlos to pit as well. But it's not as funny for Carlos. It's more funny for George. George comes into the pits. They fly the red flag. <laughs> he lost every advantage because Alex binned it. Couldn't have happened to a nice fellow. No, you get what you deserve. Shout out Alex. Team Alex. He's my favorite of the Twitch boys. That's because it, it's because George isn't a team player at Mercedes. If He would have cost Lewis that race somehow if he'd have stayed in it. He's not a team player. That's what Team LH says. So there was, you know, that that that's Alex Albon. Alex Albon was out of the race. If he managed to stay, it's so hard to predict, but safely say he would have finished with points this weekend. It looked like it, yeah. Like he was really strong. He was he was building a gap to seventh because he was in sixth at the time as well. And you you could hear it in Crofty's voice when he announced it. He's like, oh no, Alex, you were doing so well. You know what I mean? Like it was genuinely heart wrenching for yep. poor Crofty. Now we need to talk about the other Williams. Logan Sargent. Didn't do much. He's always at the he back. He was not having the best race. And to be fair, I don't think he's ever raced in Australia before. Ever. No, none of the rookies so have. So it's his very first time here. Australia is a difficult track to race on because it's incredibly quick, but you're always turning. And it's also the second year of the new the new track layout yep. as well. It's the new surface and the new layout. So it's very difficult to even have data from last year because if memory serves me correctly... Nicholas binned it and Alex finished on one set of tyres pretty much. Yep. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Logan got taken out in the incident. Yes. Logan retired in the incident. Yep. So we will talk more about Logan later. Let's move up to ninth place. And it's not McLaren. It is AlphaTauri. You know what? They're super lucky to even be in 10th place. Uh, be in ninth place this weekend. Yes. Because they're, they're, they're on one point tied with Williams, yes? Correct. Yeah, they're both on one point. Yeah, if it wasn't for something else that happened in the, the incident, Yuki would have finished his third race in a row in 11th. Yeah, so let's... Who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Yuki first? Or do you want to... Yep, we'll talk about Yuki first. He got a point. He got lucky. <laughs> he, look, he did not deserve one. He did not... He probably didn't He didn't know. earn one. He did... Nothing except for getting destroyed. Like, the only reason he did well is he wasn't taken out. So, well done. He was so far back, he wasn't in the <laughs> shit. <laughs> yep. Well done, Yuki. You got a point. Your team's not on zero anymore. It means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. Nick DeVries is another victim of the incident. So, But other than that, he had a, he had a solid outing in Albert Park. He went flying at one point, yep. but other than that, like he was, he was constantly in that like 11, 12, 13th position. He wasn't, you know, doing anything too wrong. So I'd say Nick had a solid race, and if any of the two, those two cars deserve points, it was probably Nick. Yeah, look, Nick is 
proving now with time in that car, even though the car isn't good, and we know that it's it's one of the no, worst it's, cars. It, it's a shit yeah. box. He is proving his talent. He's doing what the Milky Bar kid did at Mercedes uh, Williams. See, yep. there you go. I did call him that. You happy now? Yeah, good. Now start calling him Woody too, because that's what he what he also looks yeah, like. Yeah, he did it. He did a Woody like at Williams where it's like, oh, you drove the pants off that car and you're showing everyone that, yep, you have the talent. Like, even though the race wasn't successful, it, it didn't go well for him. He ended up in, in the big melee crash that occurred on that 56, which just sent everything to the shithouse. He's, he's looking quite good. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see him close the gap to Yuki completely and set the new standard for what that car's capable of. I think you're right with that. I think Nick's a talent that is going to... It's going to show over, at least by Monaco, we're going to see Nick being probably that leading Alpha Tower. Well, I hope so. He's got the talent to do it. Let's talk about eighth place. Alpha Romeo on six points. I can't believe they're there. They had a nothing well, yeah, let's, as well. Let's talk about it a little bit. Both cars were... the. Well, both cars were pretty much at the back all race. I don't remember a moment when they were closer to where they finished than when when that final red flag flew out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, like, Valtteri started from the pit lane, so no one expected anything great from that Alfa Romeo starting in last place or second last place, right? No. no. So there was that. Joe, I mean, how was his qualifying? He qualified 17th. So, yeah, it was just... An absolute nothing. They ended up finishing, though, weirdly good. <laughs> just by being behind everything. I, yeah, I think that they're, they're like Yuki. They were just far enough back. They weren't in the shit and picked up the scraps. Yeah, so... Because y- if you listen to Valtteri's radio at the end of the race, he was just like, yeah, very lonely race. Not much I could really do with this car. You know what I mean? Like, he was pretty... It was monotoned with how disappointed he was. And Joe also was just like, oh, it's good to get points. Probably didn't deserve it, though. Yeah, no, look, I I'm, I like the attitude that both these drivers have with how realistic they are. Because, you know, when we see incidents like this occur or controversy like this occur, normally the driver will like do a post about it and be like, you know, it wasn't how I wanted it, but I still got the point. Yay, let's go. Credit to the two boys. They went, look, we got away with some bullshit this race. Let's yep. have a break. <laughs> like, let's just wait. We'll take the points. Everyone shut up. We're going home. Because, yeah. Well, they got, they got a pretty decent gap to fix shit because there's not another race till the 30th of yeah. this month. So they got uh, Valtteri finishing 11th and you had Joe finishing 9th. Never forget. And that's Alfa Romeo. Haas. Fuck, they jumped up a lot. Hey, well, yeah. Then, if this is they Haas. are now in 7th place <laughs> with 7 points. So should have finished. Nico probably could have finished 4th if the protest had been upheld. But oh, anyway. yeah. Uh Magnuson just getting the sun in his eye, causing the start of the shitstorm, I would say. Go on. Well, he was the incident before the incident, you know what I mean, which caused the red flag, which caused the start, standing start. Or because the sun got in his eye and he hit the wall. Even he was just like, he didn't even feel hitting the wall and the tire detaching, you know what I mean? It was. Look, I, I hate to be like history repeats itself or something or blah, 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 whatever, but like Haas, Australia and tires are not a mix. Ever. No, so it was their left front two two or three years ago. And now it's their right we, right yeah. left. I I tell you what. No, if right I'm back. the mechanic sitting in the shed and I see that happened, this is probably not the appropriate reaction. But I'll be going. Oh, thank God! 
it wasn't me. Like, <laughs> thank God it wasn't me. I, it was on my tire. <laughs> like, I'd be like, oh my God. I'm, I know this is probably a bad time to bring it up, but I am stoked right now <laughs> in the shed as everyone's trying to kill him. Uh, I, I liked Haas. I, I thought they had such an, a good weekend for them. Like, it was good. Yeah, well, Nico's consistently getting into Q3 at this point. Like, this is what, his second race in a row we started yep. in 10th. Uh, that that's a good sign for Haas. It's getting the MoneyGram sponsorship into Q3, which is what they want. Means more money. The other thing too that I want to point out is Nico. Unfortunately, his engine gave out right at the end. Yeah, which caused a lot of controversy. So he's had to pull over on the track. And the message that came over was, "Nico, it's an ERS escape. Don't touch the car." It also led to the FYA being really pissy at the Australian Grand Prix Corporation after the race because a lot of spectators were on the grid and they were around Nico's car in a very unsafe position. So they got summoned to the stewards as well. The runners of the race got summoned to the stewards because of Really? The, yeah. No, I haven't seen any I haven't seen any penalties yet, but yeah, because people storm the track when they're not allowed to, the, the actual corporation that runs the Grand Prix was called to the stewards after the race. For a breach. I could, can you just imagine being like the nerd who runs the Australian Grand Prix Corporation being like, all of them are six foot. They have been drinking for four days. What do you want me to do? Like, we can shoot them and they're not going to stop. I know, like, right? <laughs> the, the shark has been jumped. They're coming. Like, run. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Nico's car is what has caused this though because... As we said, it's a, it was an ERS escape for Nico because the car was live. It was very unsafe to touch the car at the time. So if let's say some dumbass who's drunk's like, oh, I'm going to touch it and then get z- zapped with the, the electricity from the battery, has a heart attack, who's at fault there? Do you know what? I would like to think that we, as a nation of people who storm the track, would accept that if you die doing something dumb, you will be remembered forever. Like, yes... Well, aren't we the country that came up with dumb ways to die? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, <laughs> yes, there is a lot of legal things going in there. But I would hope that everyone involved nearby is like, he died doing what he loved, being a shithead. <laughs> being like, d- um, Nico finished seventh. Nico could have finished fourth. Nico could have finished fourth. But I tell you what, seventh is huge for Haas. Hmm. And... That's six yeah, points. Yeah, six points. I mean, it, it gave them five points. Like, it times... It it was a 500% increase from last week or two weeks ago, the last race. Yeah, but it's good for Haas Oh, to fantastic. Like, we love them. It was it was sad that K-Mag didn't end up finishing. Um, but that, that was a K-Mag mistake. You know yeah, what I mean? Just like, there wasn't anything wrong with the car. He just got the sun in his eyes. Took it a bit too wide through turn two, hit the wall, and it was just like game over from there. And also, like, hit the wall on lap 52 of a 58 lap race. So, sun was coming down. It was getting yep. it was getting shady. Like, Albert Park's beautiful. And the weather was stunning. Like, it was the perfect weather for racing. But, yeah, that happens. Like, it's not a lit up track. Your vision will be affected no. by the, the sun and the, the shade on the track. And it takes – we know that his sport is measured – in thousands of a second. His mistake is an incalculable amount of time that you and I can recognize. Like, I had yeah. no idea what caused it. 
It was just, holy crap, that tire exploded and he was done. Yeah, no, it was literally he just got a little bit wide coming out of turn two because I'm going to assume the sun glared into his eyes. He miscalculated the corner. That's what Crofty and it was, was it but Yeah, Button. That's what they attested it to. And Button's even like, yeah, look, back when it was a 5 p.m. start here, the sun was in your eyes. It's hard to see. It's hard to judge that shit. You know what I mean? How bloody good is Jensen Button in general? Fantastic. Oh, he's, he's great. He flies over here from fucking America last week and had the first flight out because he was praying that the race had finished soon so he could get to the airport to fly home. <laughs> he's just, one, he's a world champion. So, you know, he's great to have in commentary. Two, he doesn't have an agenda. Like, I love Nico Rosberg because he is there to cause drama and talk about himself. And I respect that. I yep. respect the fact that he goes, oh, no, F1 is the Nico Hamilton, the Ni- not Nico Hamilton, Jesus, the Nico Rosberg show. He'll hate that. It's it's I like that. But Jensen is just brilliant. He's witty. He's funny. He's highly intelligent. He's a fantastic Formula One driver. He's got all the, like, yeah. I love Jensen Button. I think he should be there every week. Just let him and Nico do it. Like, if you win a world championship more than three times in a row, you should be fired and made to be a commentator. That should be the rules from now on. Yeah, but Button only won it once. <laughs> and so did Nico, for that matter. Yeah. So by your logic, they, they both don't qualify. Okay, you don't need to win three, but if you win three, you have to leave the sport. You know, in F2, if you win, you have to leave. It's like, all right, you've got three. You're not allowed to do this anymore. Okay, so Lewis will be gone and Max will be gone after this year on that yeah. logic. And here's the thing, Andy. How good would that be? Yeah, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you think about it, you're like, I don't hate it. I really like that idea. Let's talk about Alpine. I'm so excited to talk about Alpine. This is the team I've wanted to speak about. All week. Well, then you have the floor. Tell me what you want to talk about about Alpine. Who cares what Alpine did during the race? The fact that Ocon took Gasly out. They both, like, from a double points finish to a double DNF because Ocon is a selfish prick who doesn't know his second driver. On the replays of this big incident, you watch what's going on. Ocon sticks his nose up the outside of Gasly's car as Gasly is clearly moving right away from the carnage. It then spins Gasly into the wall and cleans up the front of Ocon's car. They crash right behind each other on the same part of the track. Gasly has no idea what happened. I don't think Pierre told him, hey, bro, I just took you out. It is the most French thing that has ever happened in Formula One. Civil War, protests, it was on. Otmar sucked in. Good luck sorting that shit out. It was brilliant. That's what you get for your stupid pink car and your stupid driver. There you go. I'm done now. It was the last time. It was the last time for the pink car that they'll be back to the blue next race. But it should never be here. (laughs) So I'm really shocked by your take on that because I saw that incident completely different. And I cannot believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. I I think it was a racing incident. Ocon and Pierre clearly, well, Pierre didn't see Ocon. Ocon probably could have backed out, chose not to. Pierre moved over. That's how I seen it. And then shit hit. It could very easily be a racing incident. Also, I just want to point out how much we shit on Ocon when you go, I'm going to say something controversial. You didn't blame the other dude. You just said, I don't think it was 100% his fault. You're like, don't hate me for saying this, but I don't think it was all his fault. Like, (laughs) Sometimes, man. I don't think it was. I just didn't think it was. We're seeing it differently, and the stewards seeing it the same way as I saw it. 
Whereas it was a racing incident. Neither neither car's getting a penalty at the next race, which is a shame because Ocon should just start the race with a 10-second penalty at all costs because I think that would be funny. But yeah. Look, 100% it falls in the racing incident category because everything that was happening in those couple of seconds was was happening in seconds. Every car was making decisions in nanoseconds that fundamentally affected every vehicle around them. So I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're controversial. I think you are actually correct and being a better a better speaker about F1 because that's the more truth to the situation. I just really, really yes. love Pierre and I really, really don't love Ocon. He's- I understand that, but you also remember that Pierre ran wide at turn one, was on the grass and had just come back onto the track and was slower than Ocon. Yep. Ocon had the run because he stayed on the track. So this is why I'm saying it's a racing incident and neither car is at fault because Pierre clearly didn't see Ocon and Ocon did have right away in my oh, book. Oh, you are correct. This is the only time I will ever defend that French six-foot prick. <laughs> there we go. That's the Indy I remember. That's the one I wanted to talk to this afternoon. <laughs> That's the one I want to engage with in discourse. The only time I'll defend that <laughs> Fantastic by Alpine. Well done, boys. This was a fantastic weekend for you, and you Frenched it right there on the track. Fully Fully Frenched it. it. Let's move on to, and I can't believe the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Let's talk about McLaren in fifth place. I can't believe they're there. They were nowhere all weekend. Lando was going to get points. He was, but it was only like going to be one or two before everything hit the fan. Okay. My main point is Oscar Piastri, good driver. Good driver. We got to see him drive. Shit car. Shit car though. Oh, yeah. Because that car, when when the car behind it had DRS, there was nothing it could do to hold it off. I'm just so happy that we finally got to see this kid actually drive the length of a race. He seemed to be very clean. Yeah. There didn't seem to be many mistakes. It didn't seem like a rookie drive. It seemed like a very competent potato drive. I'm driving a potato with four wheels, and I got it to the end. He ended up finishing. Lando finished six. Oscar finished eighth. So that's eight points for Lando and four points for Oscar. They. So that takes them to a total of 12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the last 12 points they're going to get this year. Oh, yeah, if the rest of the year's clean. (laughs) Do you know the worst part is, I think Zach's been like, well, hold on. Why am I bringing upgrades when we can just, he's like, I don't need to bring upgrades. I just need to make sure someone else crashes for the rest of the year. Because they went from 10th to 5th in the constructor standpoint in one one lap. (laughs) One lap. And not even. Not even. No, <laughs> no, not even a lot. Three, yeah, corners. three corners. They went from last to fifth. So when you know when if you've got mates who are watching the sport and they're like, yeah, but it's kind of boring and unpredictable. Sometimes, sometimes though, anything can happen. Like McLaren have left this weekend going. You know what? Twenty twenty three is not that bad of a year. We've actually ended up doing pretty fine. Hopefully, someone bins it in three weeks. They're at Baku in three weeks. Oh, yeah, dude. And people always crash at Baku. It's a fantastic track. Street circuit with a bit of runoff. It's what we want. It's what we need from a street circuit. We want circuit circuits. Lando, yeah. in classic Lando fashion, drove incredibly well for him. Yeah, he did. He he drove the, the shit out of that yep. car. It was very clean. 
for the majority of it. Like, but as I said, that McLaren is so draggy down the straights. If a car came up to with behind them with DRS, it was very, very difficult for them to hold, hold it off. They did manage to hold off a few people for a lap or two, but that was it. Like Sergio getting up behind them, I think it was two laps before Sergio blitzed past it. Meanwhile, I think it was Hulkenberg that was behind Norris, struggled Correct. to get by him. Or was it Stroll? No, Stroll took a little bit of time, but Nico was the one that took the most time. That was like the battle footage we saw of them going back yeah. and forth over laps. With Stroll, it took him a little bit longer, but the second he had the opportunity, he breezed past him. It was kind of like he was just biding his time, waiting for the opening, because once he put his foot down, he just drove past him easily. So it wasn't like he struggled. It was just yeah. he was waiting for that opportunity to make a pass. And I'm surprised he got past without crashing into someone. He crashed into Alonso again. <laughs> did it again. We'll talk about that soon, but I want to monitor he did no, it. No, no, he didn't. No, Carlos hit him. Stroll was nowhere near him. I thought they, I thought. But if Stroll had been 30 centimeters ahead, he would have clipped Fernando. Oh, I thought he clipped him easily with the no, way I he mean, was like driving. The first lap. There was like a little t- a touch. Did he? Same as what we saw in. Um, but they weren't near each other okay. on the start. I know I'm not making this up. They did come close at one point because it ended up on Reddit being like, I can't believe he's done it again. <laughs> it's like twice in three races. Didn't cause any damage or anything, but they just bumped. I will see if I can find it where I saw it online. I'll send it to you later just to make sure I'm not crazy. And if I don't send you anything, I'm crazy. And don't worry about it. Fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, look, McLaren, I mean, that that's how you do it, right? You have a shit car. You dodge all the mistakes. You end up jumping five places in the constructors. Fantastic. Well done. We'll see you in Baku. Fourth place. Yeah. Ferrari. 26 points. Fucking hell. So Pierre knocked. It was Pierre that knocked um, Charles at the start. It was at Stroll. It was one of those two. One of those two hit poor Charles. Charles put it in the gravel and it was just game over and you could just see the pain. That was the quickest we've ever tweeted out the Mamma Mia photo with the spaghetti Why? in the gun. I just want to talk to the Tifosi who listened to us for a second. I, I want I want everyone out there who supports the prancing horse to know that I feel your pain. It was devastating to see. It was like, I get it. It was a bad weekend. You saw your boy get taken out on lap zero, wow. the first lap of the race. It, it was painful. It's rough. You know, he's in battling. And I really have one thing to say to you. Sucked in. Sucked in. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. As soon as that happened, I went, that's got to be Charles. 100% that's Charles. Please tell me that's... <laughs> Not because I want anything bad to happen to him, but just because I was like, if this is him on lap zero of a Grand Prix, this is going to go berserk. <laughs> Poor man's going to be on suicide watch it by the end of the season. Oh, man. Look, Charles, join Mercedes. i got nothing more to say to you anymore. Just join Mercedes, please. End the pain. But it, it wasn't even Ferrari's fault. He just got a bit wide and dickhead shagged it up the inside and tapped him off the road. Yep, and then it was it. It beached all over. There was, not, there was nothing he could do at that point. It was fucked. You know what I mean? Like, poor Charles. And to, the point, to that point, poor Carlos getting a penalty on a lap that didn't exist. Yeah, now this is where we got to start to talk about the the incident, as everyone's calling it, which was essentially everybody crashed into each other and barely anybody finished the race. Yes. 
It was a big Run prank. Run us through the prank. Who was involved and what happened? Hold up. I'm I'm in actually watching Charles's incident at the moment because I, I need to know which car it was that tapped him. It was Stroll. And Stroll has tapped the backside of Fernando. Told you I'm not crazy. That's what happened. I said on, I wasn't crazy. You weren't crazy. I know it. No. I, look, I'm right about nothing in this sport except for Ferrari and and um, Lance hitting Fernando. Those are the only two things I'm right about. <laughs> this is what I'm watching the sport for. Yep. All right. I've, I've, I've actually got, I've got the replay up, so I'm going to call it. Okay, go. Out. So it's lights out and away we go. <laughs> Max has got the jump on Lewis. Fernando is on the outside of Lewis and has braked late. Pierre has come up, tagged Alonso and gone wide as has Sergio. Fernando has come back onto the track a little bit and has been tagged by Carlos. This has caused Fernando to spin out and also Lance jumps jumps Carlos but like gets dovetaily a little bit, which causes him to lock his brakes and go, in, uh, go into the gravel at turn three. Meanwhile, behind everything, Pierre has come back on track, smacked it into Ocon and gone straight into the wall. <laughs> and somehow, Logan Sargent has ended up in the gravel because they've cut away from it and I didn't see it. And then also at that point, didn't How was that? Yuki get run over right at the back? Didn't someone run over his tyre behind all of that as well? Yuki was involved in an incident at some point during this. Hold up. Can I slow down YouTube? Yes, yes I can. I can slow it down to 0.5. All right, let's. I've got it in 0.5 slow motion. Where's Yuki? Okay, Yuki has gone to the side of Ocon. I want to say that's Yuki yes. there. So, so Ocon's now got the run. He's tagged Ocon a little. He's got past Ocon, and then there, there's the incident with the two Alpines. Was that was that him? Yeah, it have yep. to be, because Yuki ended up in like fifth place. Yeah, because like, someone ran over his tire and launched themselves. Like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't running over his tire. They just sort of like touched uh, side pod to side yep. pod. There was no oh, touching cool. of the tire. But one, I know one of them like popped into the air a little bit. Like it was a, a shunt. No, that was that was further back, and that's when Devries went. Okay, that's the one I'm remembering. Because did that happen at the same time, or did that happen earlier in the race? No, that was a while. That was earlier in oh, the okay. race. Okay, yeah, because there was that one too. But yeah, no, you you technically correct. You remembered someone running over a tire of an right, F Tauri, but I want to say that was DeVries because then DeVries had in, like yes. damage or yeah. some okay. shit. I don't so know. here's why I'm confused because that red flag incident happened two laps before this red flag incident. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't a red flag incident. It was just a just a thing that happened. Oh, really? There was no okay, cool. damage or yeah, anything. Yeah, because they were that. out on that 56. Yes, this was lap 57 after the first initial yeah, red cool. flag. So yeah, that that's sort of what happened in the melee as best as I could describe Look, it. That is a better description that we could have done without like, you know, just having the replay there and having little watch. It was a massive shit fight. I I had the replay there oh, watching it. Well, brilliant. It down 10 out of 10, it. man. That was perfect. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, that meant, because we're, we're explaining all of this to tell you why Carlos is where Carlos is. Yeah, so Carlos has tagged Alonso as he's come back onto the track after running a yes. bit wide. And it spun Alonso out, put him into the wall, but not damaged the car. That's very important for here. So, Carlos, so that the red flag comes out. They all come into the pit lane and they're sitting there. And then it comes out that Carlos gets a five-second penalty for causing an incident. Yep, specifically for his hit on Fernando. Yes, and the pain in his voice. He 
sounded like he was about to burst. That one actually tears. made me feel really bad. Listening to him be like, "No, they need to talk to." Like it was. It's not often you just get pure raw emotion from drivers, even when they're angry. It's still you know they're trying to send messages. That man sounded devastated. Devastated. He what he was he just wanted confirmation they'd go to the stewards after the race, and from memory. There was no protest launch from Ferrari yep. to get that yeah, penalty that, wiped. Correct me if I'm wrong. That penalty stood. Yeah. Yes. That penalty stood. That's why Carlos finished 12th and scored no points. Yep. Where he should have finished third or fourth. He was third yep. or fourth. He should have been right at yeah. the top. So to sum up Ferrari's weekend, devastating. Like this is the Ferrari that we've all known for the last couple of years. Without Ferrari making any mistakes, you know what I mean? They got the same tragic result as a bad strategy weekend. Strategy was fine this weekend. It just turned out that it was a yeah. That it was just sad. Like it's just sad to yeah, watch. Not a good, not a good weekend for those guys. Look, they're still fourth in the championship. It hasn't done irreparable damage to where they are. It has significantly put them behind the top three, though. They are now the best of the mid pack, not the lead part of the lead pack anymore. They're on 26 points. Mercedes is on 56. Yep. And I think this is wipe Charles's chance of the championship yeah. out. Okay. I don't think Charles can challenge <laughs> this year. <laughs> anyway, let's look. But I'm going to take the Mattia Bonotto approach. There's no reason they can't win every race from now till the end of the season. Oh, no, there's no reason they can't go on to win every single race, even though their car's only like the fifth fastest sometimes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, look, let's, let's run through Mercedes nice and quick. What do you what are your takeaways? Lewis Hamilton, second place. Good to see him on the podium. I think that car isn't as shit as they're letting believe. I really don't think it's as shit as they made it believe in Bahrain. No. In particular. No. It is I mean, we we are, we know who we're talking about. We're talking about Mercedes. It doesn't matter what they say online. It doesn't matter what they say in real life. The only thing that you can ever measure Mercedes on is the results they get. That car, while it is not the world championship car this year, is heaps better. Like, you're right. It is heaps better than they've been letting on. And also, consider where they were last year. Yes. They were struck... Fucking Woody from Toy Story barely made the podium here. Lewis barely made the podium in Bahrain. They didn't even make Q... Out of Q1 in Saudi, and their Imola, which would have been the next race, which isn't this year, but it would have been next year, last year, uh, Lewis got lapped and barely made points as well. You know what I mean? Like, they were a lot slower last year. It was better last year. This year, however, that engine went bang bang in Woody's car, so it was very funny. I got a shout out to that Mercedes, that's one of the coolest engine explosions I've ever seen because that thing spurted flames out the back for a couple of minutes. Like, it looked like a jet booster. It looked awesome. Yep. Sucked in. Uh, sucked in and great. Like, yep. <laughs> that was the last tweet I put out right now. I'm just looking back at our Twitter and I put out Woody with a sad face <laughs> gif. I was like, George Russell right now. Look, I good weekend overall for Mercedes. Second step on the podium is fantastic. Yeah. Nice seeing Lewis back up there. Mercedes, I tell you what, Baku's going to be a very telling weekend for them. Baku's going to be like, oh, is this just a street specific car, or are they, or have they been like metaphorically sandbagging us for four rounds? Or will the fast straight of Baku really catch them out? Because even though they did get the jump this weekend twice on Max, 
the end of the day, Max still breezed past him, didn't he? Yes. And that was the thing too. It was like, that car is, a, and the moment he got free of Woody, he was three seconds ahead by the end of the lap. You know what I mean? Oh, without a doubt, mate. There is, while it was exciting to see them jump Max on the start, it was still one of those moments where it's like, if they don't start putting seconds on him now, it doesn't matter. He has 58 laps of being three seconds a lap quicker than every other car to decide when he wants to move on you. I know. It's just that Red Bull a, is a gun. Still not as good as the W11, no matter what Lewis no, says. No, it's not. That W11 was winning every race by 15 to 20 seconds, both drivers. It would go through Puon at Spa full throttle. <laughs> like that, that... That that says it all. Everyone else has to tap the brakes. He Lewis could leave it full full throttle. You know what I mean. Valtteri could leave it full throttle and get through the corner. It was a spaceship. Yeah, it was better than the F two thousand and four, which was the best car ever designed in the sport up to that point. I know. Like it, Lewis saying that that RB nineteen is the best car and that going to be the most dominant car. Load of shit like everything else that comes out of his goddamn mouth. Yeah. Yeah. No. I look. I'm with you as much as. You know, it's cool to hear Mercedes talk in deference to Red Bull, the team that I, I, I prefer. It is it is one of those moments how you're like, mate, you know how quick you were, right? Like, you can look up the times, the time differentials. This is a, still a really close year when it comes to competition. When you were doing your thing, not only were you so dominant, the cars were so set in their ways that literally your podium positions became a meme on the internet. Ham ver bot. That's yep. how dominant you were. No, ham bot ver. Ham bot ver was yeah. the meme. And then slowly it transitioned to ham ver bot. Yeah. So there's there's that aspect where it was so dominant your how you guys finished every weekend that year, unless someone had a crash or blew up, was the joke. It was like, well, that's this year. And it literally was. It was like of the races, I think 19 of them or something finished that way. A crazy amount. We should talk about Aston Martin. Fernando looks really happy these days. He's doing so well. Fernando, his smile getting third was the epitome of the meme of the guy finishing third and sp- spraying the champagne this oh, weekend. Look. He could not be in a happier position, it looks like. The only thing that would probably make him better is if uh, Lance Stroll was nowhere near the team. Oh, you mean future world champion Lance Stroll contender? Uh, I want to talk about Fernando because I think I love him. Well, he's single now. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Weirdly enough, I actually saw that on Instagram. And I thought it was very classy. I thought the breakup post with him and his partner was very, very classy. And I was like, you know what? That's good. Well done by two adults. <laughs> like, yep. It was one of those weird moments where you're like, oh, well, that's a little bit sad, but good on you. It's good. Like, like, I didn't feel anything, which is weird for like a, yeah. a celebrity breakup post. They're normally pretty dramatic. And like Fernando is one of the most dramatic personalities we've ever had in this sport. <laughs> like, let's be real. The Fernando... I don't know what happens to these young drivers in their 30s. Maybe it happens to all of us in our 30s where they just completely mellow out because Seb was an absolute psycho when he was young. Fernando was the most... Like, he is the definition of toxic teammate back in his first stint in the sport. Mm. Like, he was a monster. Now, he's loved. Seb left this sport as one of the most well-liked drivers of all time. And everybody seems to forget that when he was at Red Bull, he was one of the most hated personalities in sport at the, in the world at that time. He was hated. Mm-hmm. That's because he was definitely hated here because of what he yeah. did to Mark. And now, 
We love them. Lance Stroll. Look, let's get this out of the way. Well done. Back to Fernando. Fantastic. Yep. I can't say enough good things about him. I do want you to clarify a point for me. You said that the important point was that Fernando, while he was taken out, was undamaged. Go from there. Because the way that the wording came out from the restart was cars that are able to continue may line up in their grid spot. That That's why it was important because Pierre and fucking Ocon couldn't. <laughs> Nick DeVries couldn't. Logan Sargent couldn't. But Fernando can. <laughs> but Fernando could and that's all that mattered. <laughs> and they did really, really well. Look, I think Aston Martin is not safe in second, but I think they are well within their ability to become second this year in this sport. No, I think you're right. I think Aston, right now, Aston is tied for the second best car on the grid. 100% agreed. Let us talk about the best car on the field. So what, it was was lap 10, I want to say, and it was just like game over? Yeah, and the crazy... The only thing thing that could have ruined him was the red flag restarts because he sucked off the line this weekend. He could not get it right. No, he couldn't. Uh, To be fair, the first start was the worst for him. That's when he lost places. The other restarts, he managed to get away okay. Still, they weren't clean getaways as we know. No, they were not the traditional dominant zero-wheel spin. You're at 200 kilometers in a second and a half. You're already well away. You've already jumped a second on the rest of the grid. They were slower starts. I don't know exactly why this weekend it seemed the starting line for Max wasn't the most successful plays. I don't know if it ever really got bought up on the broadcast. The reason to why he seemed to be struggling. Oh, it did. did. What was it? Uh, not not the reason why, but it was brought up that he was struggling quite a bit because Sky Sports F1 were licking their lips at the idea of Lewis getting the jump right at the end and getting the win. Oh, I know they were so stoked talking about the fact that he's struggling off the line. It was just, yeah, we never... He never came out and was like, oh, it's this. You know, I, I've fiddled with a downforce thing here to get better corner speed or whatever. It never really came out as to why Australia seemed to be struggling. The only thing I can reasonably chalk it up to is the new surface. I thought it was more they couldn't get heat into the tyres well enough. Because if you think about the second re- the first yep. restart, he was in second behind George. And George sort of... Was it George? Or, no, it was Lewis. He was behind Lewis. And obviously that was when the the whole, oh, Lewis is more than 10 places behind, 10 car lengths behind the safety car thing came up. Lewis slowed right down because Lewis could keep the heat in the tyres, whereas Max was demanding the safety car was moving forward later on because he's like, I can't keep the heat in the t- my tyres. I need to get the heat in my tyres. You make a very good point because that did, and I, I didn't piece it together, but the story around the restarts and around these behind the safety car was that, yeah, the Red Bull did seem to be struggling to keep heat in it. So I honestly think you're correct that it was simply a heat-related thing. His tyres were colder than everyone else's and that's why he struggled on getaway. That makes perfect sense, and I'm I'm going to be like, yeah, that that's probably why. I, I've got nothing to counterpoint that, so I, I think that's our official stance. His tyres weren't as warm as everybody else. Checo, though, let's let's talk about Checo. Good race. This is a good race for Checo. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I'm I'm torn here because Checo finished 
better than he deserved. He did. He did. He... Checo got held up a lot more behind back markers than he should have. Like, if we put... Rolls a reverse, Checo's in front, and Max is coming through to grid. When does he take the lead? Like, that's the question we have to ask. Whereas with Checo, it's like, does he make it or not? You know what I mean? You are 100%, 100% correct. When, in comparison, we look at what Max and Lewis can do from the back of the grid in a car that is purely designed for them and their philosophy, no one comes close. Yes, through those incidents, he was handed a couple of places through the DNFs and things like that. But if I'm Christian, I'm like, well, hold on. I started first and last, and I finished first and fifth. Yes. Damage control. Yeah. Damage control and also like very successful considering how far ahead you are of your competitors too. You are not at risk of Max losing here at all. So good for the constructors thing. I didn't expect Checo to, to pump through the grid like it was Max's Red Bull. And that's just simply because he has adapted himself to Red Bull's philosophy where Max has had Red Bull adapt itself to his philosophy and I don't think it's fair to have the same expectations for the team leader versus the second driver where it is a very clear distinction despite what the media says despite what the team says we know they're lying it's clearly Max's car and it's clearly Red Bull racing in brackets for Stafford with Checo and that's, I don't want that to be a diss at Checo or to, to understate anything of the phenomenal driver he is. I just want to let people know that even though it wasn't this absolute stellar drive that we've come to expect from people starting from the back, there's more to it than just being like, oh, Checo bad, back's good. <laughs> okay, I want to I throw up. Here's my hypothetical for you. There's a lot of talk this weekend about how Danny is starting to get the hunger back. Yep. That uh, Fox Sports actually interviewed him and he said he's not coming back just to be on the grid. He only wants to come back if it's a top team. Yep, fair enough. So you know where I'm going yes. with this, right? If you're Christian, who, who who do you bring in? Do you keep Checo next year or do you bring Danny, Danny. in potentially? Uh, d- after after this race? I, I would say Danny and there's there's a couple of reasons. One, it is my incredible bias I have for that man and his big dick. That cannot yep. be understated at any point. It's massive, and I really like him. The other aspect is too, and I bring this up every time we talk about the Checo Danny thing. Checo has come out in the past and said, you know, it's already a long calendar. I'm wanting to maybe think about my other options. Just the fact that a, a top tier athlete is considering life after sport already means that you're increasing his chances of either making errors or not giving it all. Now, I'm not saying he's not doing that, but there is more in his head apart from I just need to be the best for this team and what I'm about to do. So there could be some slight performance loss there. The other aspect is Danny and Max drive the car the same way. That's why they had so many issues because they were nigh on inseparable when they were racing together. And that's what brought them Mm -hmm. into so much trouble. They both like a nosy car. They both like a little bit of oversteer. They both like to break really late and stick it into the corners. That, for me, makes the car easier to design. Yes, it does open you up to more teammate-on-teammate issues, but I'd like to think Red Bull's probably banking on the fact that Max is now a better driver overall than Danny. And because of that, 
Yeah. You have this person who has a yes, you lose the South American support from Mexico and Central America and, and South America. But if Checo leaves on his own terms, it's a, also a massive PR win to be like, look, Checo, let, let's wrap this up. Leave on your own terms. It, it's time. It's either it's either you leave on your own terms this year or we fire you next year. You get a massive mm-hmm. PR win by bringing Danny back into the fold. And I do think that Danny is a quicker driver overall than Checo. I do. I, I just think he is better. And like, this is a sport where... It is very brutal. There's 20 seats. You need to be the best. Looking at it from my eyes, Danny all the way. That's that's my take. What's yours? Well, there's 20 seats, but you've just got to be one of the 19 best because of one it will always be Lance Strolls. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> Danny, Danny probably is the right call at this stage, but unfortunately what we lack right now is the data in the sim, the data of Danny's test days and stuff. So while we can think back on what Danny used to be like at the Red Bull, we don't know what, what the times are now. We don't know what he's doing right now, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So it's not, a, it, it's not a good position. Well, actually, no. It is a good position to be if you're Christian and you have two drivers worthy of that second seat. But I... I, I I want Danny back in that Red Bull. He looks good in Red Bull, despite what Ted told him. Ted, you asshole! How dare you say Danny doesn't look good yeah. in Red and Blue? <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm still, I'm sitting on the fence right now, purely because it's too early to call. I really want Danny to get back in there. I think I even predicted he'd get back in there before the summer break, like it'd be announced. But realistically, I can't, I can't make up my mind. As much as I want to see Danny back in a Red Bull, I also want to see Red Bull succeed. So without seeing the data that Christian and that have access to, I can't really make my final decision. That being said, if he gets announced tomorrow that he's back in a Red Bull, I fucking called it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you points for it. There's also the aspect of where you need to be really realistic about how this sport works. The most logical choice to replace Checo Perez is Nick DeVries. He is yes. the actual smartest choice. He is younger than both of them. He's a current world champion from another sport. He has the pace. He's new in the sport. Like he is the best person. If I'm Christian, the the best person to bring in is Nick because you've got this insane talent who's new in the sport, who you have for years. But you're you're going to say this after three races. But that, that's my thing with Nick. Like. Nick's only been there for three races. So. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's done enough in these three races to completely get in there. But, you know, he is a Red Bull junior. You have this talent there. It, it just it closes the door to having a direct competitor to Max Verstappen. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. picking him not because you're going to come in and be second by two-tenths of by two tenths of a second every lap. That's not who I want. I want someone like Checo who will get second on most given days by 10 seconds. But I also want someone to go, hey man, Max is going to finish in four years. By that stage, you'll be 28, 30. He'll actually be 32. Nick's heaps older than we think. But yeah, he's the most logical in my mind. Of course, Danny. The heart says Danny. The brain says Nick DeVries would be the sensible choice. No more hypotheticals though. Because we've been talking for a long time. (laughs) No more hypotheticals. We have been. And we haven't even gone into the last of the race which was the farce right yeah, at so the end. Do you know what? The best way for this 
to be told is for me not to get in the way with how my brain works and invent storylines because it's already confusing enough. I want you to yeah. tell me and everyone who's listening what actually happened and why the decisions were made. So the floor is yours. Okay. I've been thinking long and hard about how I was going to do this. So I could tell you the real story or I could make something up that seems more legit. And I think the making things up to make it more legit and more entertaining <laughs> That's my is more job. fun. I make shit up. Do. You tell the truth. So... We all know who was in the paddock this weekend. Michael, the mad dog Massey. The massive being in the paddock. There's only one logical option of that happened. He has barged his way into race control after that big incident and said, throw the red flag. Let's get a standing start right at the end. He's just walking around. Not realizing that. That it was lap 58 of lap 58. <laughs> so, therefore, the only thing he could do was start and get over the start-finish line. It's like, oh, 200 meters, Max yeah, wins. Dude, Michael Massey was walking around with a let them race shirt all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but he, here's what I actually think happened. So, last year at Monza, Niels Vidic made the decision when it was comically clear that there was not enough time to complete the safety car procedure that the race would finish under the safety car and that sucked we were all like what are you doing how dare you disgrace this sport Abu Dhabi 2021 was awesome why didn't you just do that that was sick why is that not the rule now so in this race the idea was to begin with so when Magnussen crashed Throw the red flag, give them a two-lap sprint to the end. Everyone will fucking love it. That'll be entertaining as shit. What they didn't account for was everyone's dumb at a restart and people are going to crash into each other so badly that they need to re-red flag the race. And unfortunately, because of the way it works, when Max got into the spot in the pit lane, he crossed the start-finish line, which made it lap 58 of 58. Now, I don't know why... They had to do the parade lap behind the safety car and just cross the start finish line. It doesn't make sense. At this point, I've just been like, fuck it, we're not restarting it. Makes the logical sense. There's a red flag thrown within like two minutes of the end of a qualifying session or a practice session. Uh, session isn't resumed, you know I what do. I mean? And it's like, at this point, it's like, what's the point of doing this one stupid lap? And it also put people in danger because of what happened with Nico's Correct. car. So, therefore, I don't know what happened. I don't know why the decision was made to do this parade lap, basically, to get them over the start-finish line. It was a stupid idea. And whoever whoever came up with it should be fired and Michael Massey put back in, put back in charge because at least he wouldn't yeah, do look, that. It was one of those moments where I think they were stuck with no cards to play because if you don't finish the Grand Prix, that leads to other consequences, you know, that... that Teams are then allowed to ask questions as to why. I remember when the red flag was on, most of the discussion was about, okay, so which grid are we starting with? Are we starting with this one in the pit order or are we starting with the one at the beginning yep. of the other lap, the lap beforehand? I remember that was a big talking point. I think they just ended up in a position where they went, well, there's no reason to not do 58 laps and qualify this as a, a complete Grand Prix, no, no issues to the running of the race. But where it went wrong was the fact that well, they were already on the last lap and where you start and where you finish are different points on the grid. Yeah. And yeah, they were just kind of trapped 
by the situation where they were like, well, man, if they didn't bin it, this would have been a super exciting end. But unfortunately, they all binned it on this lap with the formation and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Led us to a position where you had this sham of a, all right, start, it's over, well done, guys. Let's all, let's all go home. It did look ridiculous. I tell you what, though. It was very if ridiculous. If I'm missing Netflix, I'm just sitting there screaming more, more. Like... Season whatever is coming out next year is going to be five episodes of Australia. Six. <laughs> There's a lot to go through with what occurred. It wasn't the way that race should have ended, but it ended. Like, I, I get why these things occurred where they were like, well, at least let's finish it. Where it was unfortunate was that the finish was really, really stupid. It was a non... Yeah, like, if only they'd have waved the checkered flag instead of the red flag. Australia was the best race of the year so far. I don't think anyone can deny it. If you want excitement and drama, that that's the one to watch. From the start to the end, it was all over the shop. <laughs> like, it was a hell of a thing to watch. And I didn't shit myself this year. That's a, that's so for anyone listening, it's been more than 365 days since I shit myself. That's a new record. <laughs> Let's wrap this bad boy up. I mean, you're right. It's a, it's a new record. Yeah, which I hope to continue year on year from now out. Like, I'm not hoping to be like, oh, I need to restart the record. I hope that's it. I didn't have as much to drink this Australian Grand Prix. Like, last year's, I, everyone was like, how was this? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> what race? But this year, I was like, wow, that was intense. Let's wrap this bad boy up because it's getting okay. late. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. I hope you guys had as much fun with Australia as we did. I hope if you were watching internationally, you now understand what it's like. This is what we go through every weekend where you go, I'm so tired. I hope it goes well. And you get three red flags. That's what it's like. Welcome to the team. Yep. Follow us on social media. We're at Formula Bums everywhere except for Twitter, which we're at Bums Formula. And ironically, that's where we're probably active the most on race weekends. (laughs) Listen yep. to our other show if you like more than just Formula One as a sport. It's called Bums on the Bench. We talk about football, pretty much all of it, of every type, has been mentioned at this point. I feel like tomorrow is going to be a lot about the UFC, yes. though. Yes. And the big the big news that has happened in the last 24 yes, hours. Yes, the UFC buying the WWE. But that's for tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening, guys. This show exists simply because you spend your time with us every week and we see those little numbers on our computer and go, you know what? Maybe we are okay with what we do. So thank you. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. You had a break. See you.